listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Hey, everybody. That's one of my uh, favorite movies of all time, actually. Um, Before we actually dig into um, our series tonight, so if you came, we're finishing up our series called Outdated, um, where we talk about dating and relationships and last week breaking up. Uh, We're going to be talking about marriage today. But before we do that, we're actually, um, we're missing someone really important to what United is, um, because he is down in Texas right now um, with his mom. So Kendall... Um, is down with his family. Um, he got a call late last night saying his mother wasn't doing well. Um, so he flew down there early this morning, and I was just talking with him. Um, and it looks like his uh, mother's going into kidney failure and um, really needs our prayers right now. So we're going to pray before we get going. Lord, we know that you work all things for good. those who love you, Lord. And we know full well that Kendall and his family love you so dearly. Lord, and so we want to lift up on Kendall's behalf, his whole family, his mother right now, Lord, her health. Lord, and we're praying for a miraculous healing. Lord, we pray that you would just move so powerfully right now, Lord, that your hand that can fix all things, your hand that can right all things, Lord, your hands that can heal all things. Reach out and bring healing once more. Lord, we pray together as one body right now for peace. And comfort for Kendall and his family, Lord, that they might have joy in the midst of their sorrows, Lord, that they would know that you are still good, Lord, because they see you there. You are present there. Just as you are present here with us right now, Lord, and we know that you're listening. We know that you hear our cries here today, Lord. We pray that you would bring healing, Lord, to Kendall's mother. Lord, would you just restore her body? God, we have faith and know full well that you can do that. So, Lord, we lift all of them up before you. Here in this moment and right now, Lord praying that you would move mightily in all of their lives and bring healing, God. We ask this in your holy and precious name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, we, um, we're, we're finishing off our last night for Outdated. How many of you have enjoyed Outdated thus far? How many of you felt that way until last week? And then we're like, oh, I don't know about this anymore. 
<laughs> Hopefully this week will be a, a redeeming moment. I'm so thrilled um, because we're going to have such a wonderful panel for you all here today. Um, we have two of our very own um, who are leaders here with United. We have Ben and Abby, and I'm excited to hear what they have. They got married this past, not yet, they got married this past, she's so eager to be up here, I'm excited for this. She got, they got married this past June? June? So almost going on a year here. They're freshly married. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Love is beautiful, isn't it? 111 days. Oh, till a year. I was like, I think your math is off there, but... Also, I was like, maybe you shouldn't count that. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm excited. And um, the man who taught me all I know, but has a lot left over to share, um, Bill Blair, who is the senior pastor down at Grace Methodist Church, and his wife, Beth, are both here to chat with you all as well. Um, they have been married for how long? 35 years. None of you are even 35 years old, so uh, I think they have some wisdom to share for us. So I'm going to invite Abby and Ben and Beth and uh, Bill to come on up here. Give them a warm welcome. It's not on. It'll be on. It'll be on when you have something good to say. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have to sit back, Ben, so that I can see Beth. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll come back. <laughs> hey, so for the record, some of these questions are actually questions that you all had asked and submitted over the past couple weeks. Um, so if you ever wondered, do we check our DMs when you send us questions or things that you want to know? The answer is yes. Um, so keep on asking questions. If you're like, I need wisdom, I need help, I have questions, keep sending them, and we will keep um, trying to answer them for you. And that's what tonight is about. So... Um, that being said, the first question, and I'm actually going to address this as much as I love you two. I'm actually going to pass this. Um, <laughs> pastor Bill, you've been a pastor for 20-some years now, right? Uh -huh. and, and one of the things that, that has been asked is we're doing this series, and for a lot of you, this is probably maybe the first time that you've heard churches um, or, or, or Christian groups talk about dating, talk about sex, talk about relationships, talk about marriage, talk about breakups. And the question that someone actually asked was, why is it that the church seems so particularly maybe silent on this issue? Why don't we talk about this more? Uh, <laughs> well, I think people are nervous to talk about it. It's so easy to change churches. People get mad. Like, why is, why is the pastor talking about that one? You know, but um, I think we're really missing the boat on not talking about it because the Bible talks about it a lot. It's all over scripture. I mean, as soon as you open the book, right? What's it say? In the beginning, God created and he made a male and female in his image and the two will become one. So <laughs> obviously God is really involved in this, matters to him a lot. And I don't understand why the church doesn't, but I know for myself, I've always have been really careful about it because uh, there, you have parents or grandparents sitting out there with kids and you're like, um, this Sunday, we're going to dismiss all the kids <laughs> before we talk <laughs> about this, you know, because they're not ready to have those conversations yeah. yet. So I think we're kind of nervous about that. Yeah. What do you think some of the, and this could be any of you, what do you think some of the downfalls have been of not really talking about any of this, right? I mean, I think there is, a, because we don't address it, there are problems that come with that that maybe the church should have filled the gap And What do you think some of those are? Either lived or? I mean, it seems very painstakingly obvious when I say it, but like you don't know what you're doing 
once you give your life to Jesus. Like whenever I was um, dating after I got saved, I literally had no idea what I was doing besides like, oh, I should probably not sleep with them. But like, <laughs> but like beyond, beyond that, it's like, how do I even make that more accessible and less of a temptation? Like no steps how to get there. Just like, don't, that's it. That's all the advice. Don't do that. I know one of the things that um, I've experienced uh, working as a pastor and working with you all and other college students is like, um, if you don't have someone to tell you what to do, you just kind of take a stab in the dark and hope for the best. And uh, at least, you know, when I was in college, it's like I didn't really feel like I had anyone to talk to these things about because it was kind of embarrassing, right? And I got myself into a lot of uh, danger and damage and hurt relationships because I didn't have someone to do these things, which is why we have this series. So it's like, you guys don't feel like you're just left out there to figure things out for yourself. But um, yeah, the church, I think, has kind of missed the mark on this in particular. And, and this is our hope. Um, and, and I know all of the churches that are a part of United, which if you're not part of one of those churches, go to one of those churches. We've got five of them. Um, I know every single one of those churches are really trying to be clear about all of these things. We're trying to help um, people your age, people who are dating, people who are in relationships, figure this out in the best way possible. And so just keep coming back because you'll get more, even more answers. So um, the next question though, and this is, this will just be lovely for all of you. Do you have to have your issues figured out before you start dating? I still don't have my issues figured out. So. <laughs> and you've been married for 35 years now, still don't have them figured out. If, if you wait till you have your issues figured out, you'll never start dating. You'll never get married. I, I can tell you that. I mean, there are still issues and the issues change. You know, there, there were issues, you know, before we were married, um, issues came when children got involved. You know, we have four children. I mean, try, try to ch um, take a billy goat to the grocery store. You'll know what it's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It just changes you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and for a while, I mean, that's one of the hardest things about when you start, you know, being married. And then there's new issues. And especially like when, I remember when Beth had her first child. And I was used to being number one in her life right after God. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was number three, you know, because that baby had to be first. And, you know, and the mother instinct kicked in and I, I wasn't ready for it. So, um, so that was an issue that I had to deal with then. I think, I think to like build off of that, um, as far as personal issues go, I think you have to define yourself as far as like, what is your characteristics and integrity that you have and what will you offer to a relationship? Because you don't want to go into a relationship and just be completely like unused clay and be molded by that person. Like you have to have your own standards and you know, if you're walking with Christ, uh, your issues will come up and you'll have your battles and you will, you know, defeat those battles, but you're constantly progressing and growing with Christ. And so bringing someone in that is a serious thing to have someone say, hey, I want you to walk with me and alongside me in my path with Christ and as your own. Um, you have to have some sort of your own figured out a little bit first before you bring someone into that. Yeah. And uh, we were talking earlier, we got to meet and, you know, chat a little bit. <clears throat> um, and it's always constantly like changing and progressing and growing. Like they said, even with us only a couple months in, things that were issues at the beginning are, seem so small now. So it's always changing. And that being said, knowing that there's always gonna be 
as you grow, things change, and as life seasons change, is there like a, some wisdom to like a baseline of some things you should say you should have figured out at least yes. before you get in? And what would you say some of those things are? You had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ben and I were talking about this question a little bit before the panel, and we were talk saying like, if you are struggling with like idols in your heart that like would particularly make a relationship like kind of like a breeding ground for like sin in your life like maybe don't like if you're struggling with like sexual immorality or if you're like have an addiction to porn or if you are very like self-deprecating and like want someone like the if you've ever watched the fairly odd parent parents like um trixie turner like tell me i'm pretty tell me i'm pretty oh, yeah. <laughs> like Wait, real quick are any of you old like that was when i was a kid are, how many of you know what the fairly odd parents oh gosh, okay like, the I'm vast majority okay yet. all right but like if those are things that you're in a season of struggling with and like you haven't worked through those yet and like let god do that work in you that's kind of a breeding ground for you to be more unhealthy and to sin more and if you can't work get through those like you're not in a season where you could be a good husband or wife and like Kendall said you shouldn't be dating if you're not capable of that I would say the, the other part of it too is like if if you're wanting to date a Christian and I would hope every one of you that are Christians would want <laughs> to date a Christian but if you're going to do that you sure don't want to go into it without God being number one in your life if you're not you know like if you're just kind of flirting with God and not in love with God, and you're going to mess up someone else's life that's a devout Christian, and that's not going to work out because your spouse cannot fill that hole. There's nobody in this world that can fill the hole that God has put in each one of us to need that desire with God. And if we try to make someone do that, we're going to make them miserable and make ourselves miserable. So you've got to deal with that one first. You've got to make peace with God. Make sure that you are fully in love with God. And if you have that one, now you've got a healthy person with, with problems. We still need a savior, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I still need a savior every day. I, you know, I know we all do. And, uh, but if we, if we go into it knowing I have a savior and I'm in love with God, then the, the problems can work out, you know? Um, so the, the, I didn't actually give you all the title for tonight, but tonight's thing is called If You Know, You Know. You know? You know, you know. Um, so the question is, when did you know um, that the person you happened to be sitting next to was the one for you? When did you know? I'll start with Beth. Oh, goodness. When, when did you say, oh, my goodness, this crazy guy? Well, that was a guy. long time ago. I imagine it was. I hope it wasn't recently. <laughs> I just now figured it out. Yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> um, I don't... I, um, I was pretty young then, so, um, but I, he met all the, all the qualities. He was funny and, uh, he, he, he was a good hardworking man. He was a Christian. He met all the checklists for a good husband and, um, the time was right. So there wasn't like, um, it, it wasn't as if God like imparted this knowledge from heaven into your brain to say, oh, Bill Blair, yeah, he's the one. It was, uh, it seems as though it was more like, um, you know what, I, I found a person that I, I think I can make this work with and I'm mm -hmm. just going to stick it with them, stick it, stick to it with them, not stick it with them, but yeah. <laughs> and that, would you say that's fairly accurate to yeah. kind of how that played out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bill, was that any different for you? Yeah. 
Well, we got to know each other at church. We went to the same church. Great place to start for the yeah. record. <laughs> you know what else is a great place to start? Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. All right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, for us, you know, I mean, we were friends for, she was too young to date, but she's a couple years younger. And uh, she was just too young to date, so we didn't for a while. And then um, all of a sudden she grew up, and her mother was, said she was allowed to date, and it was okay. And we started to date. And, um, but dating was, you know, I, I think we were probably already in love when we started to date. It was a friendship that just moved, you know. And we got, we got married. Um, I mean, she was only 19 when we got married. Because it was, uh, we wanted to honor God in our relationship, and it meant getting married sooner. <laughs> That's beautiful. What about you guys? I start. Um. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I say this. <laughs> I'm excited to hear whatever comes next. <laughs> when it like that. after we both said I do was when I knew, because I love, I really wanted to keep in mind, like, there's that space for God to do something else if he wants to. Not that I didn't want that, like, but more the thought of, like, we chose to make this decision. We still chose to be committed. And I know I'm not going anywhere, but, like, I couldn't have that belief that, like, I'm not God. I don't know if Ben will stay. And I believed he would, but I couldn't say that for sure. Or, like, you know, what if God called him home? And that we were only engaged six weeks, but, like, so, like, hopefully not that quick, but if that were to happen, like, I didn't know until then, and I could tell you, like, when I hoped he would be, and when I, like, thought he could be, it was like, okay, that's potential, that could be that, and when I believed he was the one for me that I chose, because, like we said, there isn't a one, but when I believed he was able to be, like, a good husband, but, like, I didn't know until we were in that covenant, because, you don't have that. So there's something then. significant about when you said, I do. Yeah. That that really kind of clicked in. I mean, you. yeah, that's, you enter that, like the covenant, like we said, like that God made for marriage and like, you're not in it till you're in it. And I just, I think a lot about like what Sam said and she was like, she was referencing living with each other, which I know we're getting to later, but still the point, like she's referencing living with each other. And she's like, I don't care if you're getting married in a month. I don't care if you're engaged you're not married until you're married. Yeah. So, yeah. You can write that down. You're not married until <laughs> you're married. And you might think that that's simple, but there are a lot of people who think they're married and they're not married. So, anyway. Yeah, Ben, what do you got? So Tell this, us your this, love story. This is a, a two-parter, right? So I'm just like rereading it so I don't mess it up. Go As a it. husband, I don't want to mess up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... How did I know Abigail was the one? Well, if the fairy tale answer would be, we went to high school together and I said she had the prettiest smile on the school bus. Um, you know that. But okay, everyone can go, aww. <laughs> Thank you. It didn't end well in middle school. It didn't, no. So, yeah. So um, I guess when we started dating, uh, it, was, it was, you know, very late and we're like seeing how it goes. Um, and we had our first little spat. Um, I was kind of the main cause and... Um, instead of her reaction being, oh, this is how you are, this is who you are, this is the type of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, like a very blame-driven 
which I was expecting, not, you know, just what I'm used to. She said, how can we move forward from this together and how can we build you up better? And that kind of showed me Christ in her. Um, and so to be a good man and to be a good husband, you have to have um, checks and balances. And, and Abby was that for me. And then when I knew it was the right time, well, <laughs> the real right time I thought was gonna be in Colorado. Um, but her, her mom suddenly passed. Uh, luckily, before she passed, I asked for their blessing because they knew about the Colorado trip. Um, and so when we went through that kind of hardship and that tragedy, um, when you find yourself being a boyfriend and, and in that position, and you have to ask yourself like whether or not you're gonna do this or not. And I think in that moment, it was like, this is an all in thing. Um, and that's when I knew for sure. And it wasn't about the pageantry of going to Colorado and the mountains, it was about finding Christ within each other in such a hard time. Um, and so just, just from there, I just was all, all in, so. I think one of the, the questions that this brings up is I think we, we wait till we feel like we're in love with someone to like make a decision. And I don't think that's necessarily the right way to think about this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to, I'm gonna actually ask Ben specifically, cause I, I watched you guys, your relationship kind of evolve over the past couple of years and it's been really beautiful. Um, but one of the things that I, I loved about Ben um, and, and ladies, this is something, if, if you're not dating someone or you're dating someone and you're like, mm, I don't know, um, I'm actually gonna prop Ben up a bit. Um, I could tell very quickly that Ben truly loved Abby, not because of anything that Ben said, but because Ben was willing to move to this town where she was. He was willing to change jobs. He was willing to act, to show, and to prove that he loved Abby. It wasn't just flowery words. He could say all the flowery words he wanted to say, but that would have been, meant nothing. It was the fact that he was willing to step out and actually prove his love and show his love because love is always in action. It is never just words. And Ben really stepped up with that. And I was like, this is really beautiful to see this you know, young guy you know, go out of his way to really show this love for us. So ladies, if your guys aren't doing that, kick him to the curb. No, I'm kidding. Maybe they have good qualities, but it was really beautiful to see that. It's like love, love for you wasn't just these flowery words. And I could tell that your relationship was going to be built off something more than just pleasantries. And it was at that moment when I saw that happen that I was like, wow, this is something beautiful. Love is more than just a feeling. It's, it was something awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, to like start our relationship uh, during the pandemic, I was uh, moving from Franklin to Pittsburgh where my mom was to help raise my nephew and I was commuting from Pittsburgh up to Indiana like on weekends um, to just to see Abby and like to hang out with Abby. And then um, it got serious and then she was like, well, how, how's this gonna work if you're in Pittsburgh? I'm here. I was like, I'll just move to Indiana. Uh, and then from there, like everything blossomed. And like, that's when I got my own place, gentlemen, you know, I got my own place <laughs> and stayed there. And you know, you know, that was it after that. Um, here's a question for y'all. What is one thing, well, actually, I'll ask this to you because you guys are new into this and you maybe don't have an answer to this after seven months, however many months it's been. Yeah, so if you could go back, let's say give yourself advice or give them, a newly married couple, advice, what's one thing about marriage that you could go back and tell yourself or tell to them or tell to any of them who are not married. We have some other married couples in the room that are, you know, a couple years in. So what, what wisdom, what one thing, one or two things would you share with us? 
Um, well, I guess I guess the first thing that I would say is to always um, accentuate the positive because you can find negative in everything. And if you focus on that, then it's not going to be, it's going to be negative. But um, if you focus on the positive, um, that will build each other up and uh, just be there for each other. And like, I wish I would could have told myself before I got married to focus more on um, us as a team instead of how can he meet my needs, that I should focus more on what, how can I meet his needs. Yeah. For, for me, I think um, when you get married, you kind of, one of the, about the only thing you really know about marriage, like intimacy, intimately at that point, is your mom and dad. And you've got to divorce your ideas from all of that because your spouse is not either your mom or dad or their mom or dad. They are themselves. And if you build any expectation and she's, you know, they say Adam and Eve didn't have that problem because they didn't have to. You know. <laughs> but, but if you start comparing your spouse to your mother or your father, you are in for a real awakening. They are not. And, you know, if, if the moment you see them do something like, your, sp- your parent that you didn't like or, or th- your spouse's parent you didn't like, you'll be like, oh, they're there just like that, you know? And that'll drive you nuts and drive that spouse nuts. So I think getting away from that idea that she had to be my mom, she was nothing like my mom, you know? And not much like her own mom either for that matter. She's her, <laughs> she's Beth, you know? And thank God she is because she's awesome in her own right. And I have to let her be who she is. Uh, you know, and, and, and I want to go back to what she said about accentuating the positive. You know, um, we were having a spat. Believe it or not, we do have those. You know, can you believe it? A pastor actually has spat with his wife once in a while. And, um, you know, I started getting text messages with hearts and I love you. And that's, you know, sometimes marriage, you know, is 50-50 and sometimes it's 100-0. Sometimes 80, 20. And you got, you know, a Christian marriage sometimes is 100, zero. And because a person's in a bad mood or they got up on the wrong side of bed, <laughs> or, you know, who knows what it is. There's all kinds of things that happen. Um, even, you know, postpartum depression happens in a lot of marriages that I have end up counseling or, or change of life issues. And, you know, guys that you know, develop a, a bad habit and all kinds of things, you know. But when that happens, somebody has to give 100% for a while till it comes around. And, uh, and, you know, you can change a kid by treating them in a positive way. We never really grow out of that. I think adults can be changed um, the same way, just with positive um, enforcement in a marriage. So, so one of the things that I think this brings up, um, you, you were talking about this 100%, 0%, and sometimes marriage looks like that, and so, which made me think it's like, okay, so marriage, at least biblically speaking, is supposed to be the best representation we have of what God's covenant to us is like as people, right? <clears throat> and so, so the, the question that popped into my head is, how have you seen, what have you learned more about God because of your relationship with each other? Like, what, what about that covenant, that the fact that when we're at 0%, 99% of the time, and God's carrying most of the load, like, what have you learned in the midst of that because of your marriage? Both of you, or all four of you. This wasn't on the list, so I know you didn't prep this, but... 
Well, Bill probably knows me better than anybody else, and he's seen me at my worst, and he still loves me. So, um, and I know that God loves me even more, and God knows me better too. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'd say as far as when we are in something together, and, and, and situations seem pretty bleak, every single time since we have been married. Uh, God has provided. Uh, there have been, not you know, that we've had arguments, um, we've had financial issues, um, we've had other you know family issues come up, and every single time when we have been like, we don't know what we're gonna do, we'll just let's pray about it, let's pray about it, let's let's just don't overreact, let's and before we're even done freaking out about it, it's already been completed um, per se. Um, and I, to build off of um, them, they said they've seen each other at their worst. Um, I can definitely tell you Abby's been in the only relationship where I have plummeted, where I know Abby's the only one who has seen me like that, um, and she has picked me back up. So that's, that's how I've seen it. Yeah, I definitely, what you just said, I wanted to reference, and it was something I thought I had learned before being married and thought, that I really had a grasp of, but Ben and I both didn't grow up in like church and like our families weren't going. We, I always said I was a Christer kid. My parents would go for Christmas and Easter and make me go, but that was about it. And I definitely, I understood it, but I didn't really understand it until starting to date Ben and then marrying him, where Ben knew me before I knew Jesus and I, when I came to college and I met Jesus and I started going to church and got involved, I was like, I can't talk to anyone from there now. Like, I can't talk to anybody from home. Like, I made a lot of bad decisions and that's not who I am now, but they're not gonna be able to let that go. Cause to people I meet in Indiana, it's a story I tell them. It's part of my testimony. It's not who they knew me as. And like I said, Ben and I had like a history before we dated when I was in my twenties, where when I, was in high school, like, I was a piece of work. <laughs> and he, like, knew me then, and there were even encounters where, like, I had been mean to him, like, just blatantly mean, and he knew that about me. And I didn't want to like him. Like, it took literally friends pushing me to give him a chance again whenever he, like, reached back out to me when I was in my 20s. Because, not because I didn't think he was great, but I was like, no, like he knows what I was like. And like, I can't take that back now. But continually, like when we started dating and when we've been married, like he continually chooses me, even though he's seen me at those really bad points. He saw me before I knew Jesus. He saw me after I knew Jesus. He's seen me fall into sin. He's seen me at my best too. And no matter what, I don't want to say version, but like whatever season I'm in, he is choosing me because we hadn't talked for years before he reached back out to me. Like we went our separate ways. We both found Jesus and like eventually he reached back out to me and he didn't know me as someone who loved Jesus. He knew me as the girl who was a sinner and was the bad kid in high school and he still wanted to reach back out to me and give me a chance. I love that he continually chose 
I, I can't think of a better way to explain like God's love for us yeah. than just a, each day another choosing of you. Um, that's that's the truth of God's love. Like you, you wake up every morning at your worst. It doesn't matter, and you could be at your worst every day of your life, and God would still choose you because he loves you. I think that's a, that's a brilliant way of saying that. I, th I think that's the point of the cross, you know. I mean, he went on the cross to love us into better people, you know, and, you know, someone that he can say, look at this crown of righteousness that I've built in this person, you know, because of his sacrifice for us. And that's what you do in marriage. You, you sacrifice for the other one, build them up, and boom, all of a sudden you're better off. And, you know, this Bible says you love you. Love your wife like yourself. You know, do this for yourself. You know, <laughs> and, it, and it happens. You know, you can't outdo God. And when you do God's will for your spouse, man, God pays back in spades. <laughs> Amen to that. All right, here's a question specifically for you two. Um, so you're younger. Uh, a lot of you probably can relate. Maybe not that you can't relate to Bill and Beth, but um, <laughs> you probably relate a little bit more to Ben and Abby. And I know you guys took some pretty extreme, well, what our culture today would consider extreme steps um, to make sure that before you guys got married, um, you were really trying to hold to like a, a good biblical way of living. Um, talk, talk us through like some of those decisions, especially as you were engaged um, and you're like, man, we could save so much money on rent if we just moved together. Um, and you know, why maybe you didn't do that, how you've been blessed because of that, and, and why you think that, like, that's still the best alternative um, to what the culture has to offer us today. Want the short answer or the long one? Because we talked about there being two. <laughs> I, will, I will take whatever you give us. <laughs> well, the short answer is, like Sam said two weeks ago, the main thing we got from the question you asked was, like, what was the point in not living with each other? We personally, whenever we decided to get married, we were only engaged for six weeks for context. The way that my lease changed, it left a month where I had nowhere to live unless I lived with Ben or so I thought. Um, we didn't wanna live together for the simple reason of like Sam said two weeks ago, we didn't want to play house and do it all the time. Cause, do you want me to? <laughs> We, talk, we talked about it. Yeah. That's why yeah. I'm asking. I'm like, do you want okay. to add now? Or? And then the long answer goes into, like I said, we dated in high school a couple different times, a handful of times. And it was before Jesus, like we said, BC. And we did not make good decisions at that time. Yeah. And when we started seeing each other again, whenever we were older, like we were in our 20s by then. I was 21 and 23. Am I making that up? No? Okay. <laughs> um, we both like had seen other people. We had made that decision like not to sleep with other with anyone that we're not married to again. And then when we got together, it was really great at first. And then in full transparency, like we fell into sin and we fell into temptation and we messed up. And we it was very quickly we were like, we don't want that. And we realized like we had this leftover baggage from when we knew each other when we were younger. Yeah. And we realized, like, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. That's not what God wants for us. Like, let's not. But that led to our relationship being a series of making the harder choice because it was the right choice. Yeah. And I definitely, like, it led up to that. Like, we chose then, like, the easier thing would have been either break up because apparently we don't have enough self-control to be in a relationship 
or B, we just do it anyway. All of our friends were, why wouldn't we? What's it yeah. matter? And we knew neither of those are the right thing to do. We know we do have enough self-control. We are repenting. We can, you know, God is so forgiving and gracious. And I'm so thankful that he like redeemed our relationship and is letting yeah. us use our marriage as a ministry now when right off the bat, we messed up essentially within as soon as we were official. Yeah. And it continued to be like, what is the right thing to do? And just one hard choice and then another hard choice and then another until we were at that point, like whenever my mom passed away, we were like, well, we're going to make the hard choice. Like we want to get married because we like made that level of commitment and we were like, we've worked this hard and like we're in love now. Like there's no point in not doing it. So it ended up being another hard choice of like, do we just live together for the month? No, because obviously we have this baggage where there's leftover, like if you're that emotionally close with someone, you want to be physically close with them. So thank God for my wonderful friend, Brandon Stifler and his wonderful wife, Jill Stifler. They let me stay with them and not be homeless for a month. <laughs> so like, it was hard to figure that out and it was embarrassing asking for people for help. Like, hey, I literally don't have anywhere to live for a month. Like, can I like live with you, please? <laughs> like, it was hard and it was embarrassing, but hard doesn't mean bad. It was the right thing to do and it let us continue that. I got to keep being, a, I always say I was a secondhand version, virgin, like a thrifted one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I got to not like throw that away and I got to keep that because like hopefully we would have made the right choice had we ended up living together a month but like it's kind of a dumb position to put yourself in yeah. in a breeding ground yeah yeah you can set yourself up for success and not put yourself into temptation yeah that's the route you should go yeah possibility yeah, Caleb, you're, you're gonna hate turning the microphone over to me because I'm gonna turn it back to you I've, I've watched you and Jesse um, do this extreme integrity been amazing for me to watch you as a young man and, and Jesse you know the, do you know that he just got engaged did you know that <laughs> thank you thank you and, and, and I think it would be great if you could talk to them a little bit about how you've been able to keep that integrity during all this time with yeah so gosh um, <laughs> dating, dating a pastor is um, it has its challenges, I'll just say it that way. And, and one of the reasons is, is because we're all called to a, a level of, of holy living, right? Um, but pastors, we're, we're called to set an example um, for that for other folks, right? And so any relationships that you enter into, it's like you do your best. I'm also human. But, you know, you want to set, you want to start off with that. And I remember even before Jesse and I started dating, like I went to Pastor Bill um, and, and the other pastors at Grace and said, Hey, I just want to. I just want you to know, um, because I have seen, and if you've never paid any attention to like um, the news recently with pastors not doing this well, um, <laughs> by and large, uh, it, I wanted to make sure that there was accountability for us, um, that there were people around us who could check in with us. So I came to you before we even before I even asked her if we wanted to say date to say, Pastor Bill, are you okay with this? Because she is your church member. And I don't want to step on, and I don't want to get in the way, and I don't want her to, to lead her away from where she needs to be, right? Um, and and the, the hard part was, even in the midst of that, like some of these pastor things kind of got in the way, but um, 
we, we still made things work over the long run. And it's like, I, I had to, I checked in with my supervisors, with Pastor Bill all the time to say like, hey, this is how the relationship was going. And it wasn't, and part of it, it wasn't just like, so that I could make sure things were above water. Part of it was because it was an opportunity for others um, to help us grow. Right? If you are if you are growing in your relationship in isolation, that is not good. You need people. The reason why we have Pastor Bill and Beth up here, and why we have Ben and Abby up here, is because you need people who are older than you, wiser than you, who have been through these things, who knows what comes to make sure that they can keep an eye on you. Not because you're a terrible person, but because they want to see you succeed. I mean, from the very beginning, Pastor Bill was like, "Man, I really want this to work." You know, he was the most supportive person on the planet for Jesse and I. But most of it was just to make sure that we were okay that we were doing things the way that God wanted us to do things, and it ended up blessing us in the long term because of that. But, man, it was hard. Like, I didn't want to have to give reports on how things are going. I didn't want to have to check in. Um, I remember one time, um, so I live in a, a parsonage. So the church, that, the two little country churches that I pastor outside of Indiana have a, a house that I live in. Um, and I have four women that are all widowed women who live and the houses right around me. And I remember when Jesse came over the first time um, just to hang out with me. Uh, we were making dinner or something. And uh, when she left the next day, like all four of them came by and we we're like, who was that? <laughs> but the nice thing was, it was like, it was great knowing that people are actually looking out for you, you know? And I think we look at those types of things as like, ah, oh, they're just trying to keep me from having fun. But it was such a blessing to know that someone was looking out for you, that someone wanted the best for you and the person that you're dating. And, and part of why we're doing this series, part of why we're doing this outdated series is because myself and Kendall and Sam and Michael and Sean, we all want the best for you. Like we want your relationships to see, succeed. We want you to be happy. We want you to get married and be content. And we want you to meet God in the midst of that, right? And the reason why we're sometimes harsh, like I was last week, is because we know the, the downfalls. Because for most of my life, um, I didn't have that accountability, and I made a lot of terrible decisions, and I was in a lot of terrible relationships, and I mentioned last week, I was a grass is greener kind of guy um, from every relationship in college, and it was like, I needed someone to pour into my life and make sure that things were going all right, to check those baggage questions, right, for me, and so Pastor Bill was that person for me over the past two years, and it's been just really great to have that person, so that's what we want for you all here at United, like, we don't, we don't, throw these, we don't do these series just because we think they're fun to do. We do them because we want you to have healthy relationships that lead you closer to Christ, ultimately. Like, we genuinely want that for you. We want you to be content. We want you to be fulfilled. But we know you're not going to be fulfilled in people. You're only going to be fulfilled in God. And unless you have other people around you to speak to your life, um, they're, you're going to have issues in your relationships. And um, so it, that, that was part of that. And, you know, that's that made all the difference for Jesse and I in our relationship. I, I, I really loved watching this, the whole relationship. You've done it just right. You know, a long time ago, there was an editorial in my local newspaper, and it was uh, a lady by the name of White. I don't remember her first name, but she wrote an editorial about developing an adulterous heart. And she, she was warning against 
um, you know, the hookups that was beginning to happen at that time and said, if you sleep with this person and this person and this person and this person, and then you decide, I want to have children and settle down, what do you do with that adulterous heart that you've developed over that time? And you don't know when you get into a relationship, is this the one that I'm going to be marrying? And so you want to make sure of that so that you don't end up sleeping with three, four, five, ten different people, and then you end up in a marriage and it's, you know, one woman, one man for the rest of your life. Um, and, you know, I can tell you, <laughs> this is the only one I've ever had. <laughs> and I am so glad. And knowing that I'm the only one she's ever had, that is such a marvelous thing to have. And I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. That's a low bar, too. A million dollars. That's not that. <laughs> Billion dollars. Ten million. Hundred million. Nothing we knew what you meant. We knew what you meant. <laughs> hey, we, we're, I have just one last question for you all. Um, for everyone who's sitting out there, that's you all, um, for you guys who are, are just out of the dating relationship and now into this marriage, for you guys who have been married for quite some time, like, what's one last piece of wisdom that you would give to everybody? Um, I was thinking about this, and this is more specifically for the girls in the room. Let me get to it. I had the verse up, sorry. Um, we don't, a lot of us don't like to read this verse. We like to skim past it. But in Ephesians 5, it says, Wives, submit to yourselves, your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wife just as your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing the water through the word. We don't like the word submit like we talked about. We talked about that a handful of times through this series. And I look around and I see a lot of girls who are a lot like me. And I, you are strong women you are capable and you are leaders in your friend groups and in ministry and in other spots as well. Just because you're a good leader doesn't mean you also don't need lead. And that was something like when I got married, it took a couple weeks maybe for me to realize how much I needed to check my pride. I was like, because I naturally had the personality type that I ended up in friend groups, I ended up being a leader whenever I really cared about something, I usually ended up being a leader in that group. Now I am going to work in ministry. I just, that tends to be where I'm drawn to and God's used that as a gift for me, but the enemies also tried to use it against me and it gave me a real like pride because I wasn't being led often. So I was like, well, I don't need that. And if your husband is doing what he is supposed to, he will be loving you and making you more like Christ, like it says. So if you two are talking, and he's like, well, what if we do this, not that? And you choose to get an attitude instead of hear him out. You're going to learn really fast that that's not a good idea. Because <laughs> I didn't realize how sassy I was until I got married. And I was like, oh, I don't like that I'm like that. I thought I was nice. Where did this come from? <laughs> but that's been like the main thing that I think strong women are more inclined to feel that way because I think especially when we are younger because of how society is we don't have as many people leading us until we enter into the world of church as we should have 
which I, a great book I would recommend on that topic is um, Godmothers by Lisa. Well, oh, okay. yes, Godmothers <laughs> by Lisa Vivere, but you need to be led, even mm. if you think you can figure it out on your own, because no, you can't. And even if you think you're leading everybody else, no, you aren't. Like, yeah. even if you think you're capable, you're absolutely not. And I need him so much, and I need God so much, and I didn't realize how much pride I had in my heart until I was supposed to submit to somebody else. And I didn't know how. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Would you say you're a strong, independent woman who needs no man? Is that oh, what you would have? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so it's <clears throat> one piece of advice. Uh, so I guess the biggest advice that has helped me uh, is when I first was like engaged in like dating. It was the, this. T so like Abby said, we're trailblazers of being Christians in our families. Um, so getting engaged, you hear premarital counseling and marriage counseling. And I'm like, what? I don't need that. I got it covered. What do you mean? I just hang out. You live together. It's a lot more than that. Um, so Brandon Stifler uh, is our marriage counselor. Um, so we see him every month. Um, and it's funny because when I talk about marriage counseling and I tell people that I go to marriage counseling, they're like, is everything okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's actually really good because it's a self-check on yourself, number yeah. one. You get poured into and you can pour into your spouse. Um, but on top of that, premarital counseling and marriage counseling, depending on when you start it, uh, is either a tool to keep your marriage happy and healthy and successful or it'll be used as a life preserver. Mm. Um, and so I, I highly encourage if you are engaged, married, or looking for that, to talk to a pastor, talk to uh, a couple you're close with that is married, um, and, and get that advice and get that knowledge and get in the word and um, refresh yourself constantly with that. Because like we said earlier, marriage is a constantly changing thing and we're constantly changing. And the only thing that will draw us to be successful and all that is, is Christ. So premarital counseling and marriage counseling. That's awesome. Sure. That's awesome. All right. For a couple who's been married for quite some time now, what wonderful words of wisdom do you Their have Their advice will be better than ours. We don't know what no, we're doing as much was, as them. It was great. It was great. Um, I would just say that, you know, in, in this life, it just seems more and more that things pull you. Um, there are a thousand things that you could do. I, I think that you know, most people spend a lot of time on their phones or on the internet or whatever. And so I would just say make a point to make time for each other. And for us, that's Friday. Um, that's his day off. And um, Preston's at school, so we get the day to ourselves. And we, we, I mean, it's not, occasionally he will have something he'll have to do on Friday, but we make that a point. Um, and you don't have to uh, spend a lot of money to do that. We, the first seven years, especially of our life, we didn't have, we never fought about money because we never had money to fight over. <laughs> so um, it doesn't have to be a great big expensive night out or whatever. You just find something that you both enjoy and um, make sure to, to spend time and um, honor them uh, to make them feel special because sometimes they won't remember what you've said, but they will remember how you made them feel. Mm. I, I would use the word commitment because there's going to be hard stuff. I mean, you can't avoid it in this world. Jesus promised it. He said, in this world, you'll have trouble. And you better make a commitment when you get into marriage because there's a there's a load of pain without commitment. And if you're committed and get on the same page 
And I mean, on the same page on everything. How you raise your kids, how you budget your money. Um, th this thing of these, you know, I'll pay these bills and you pay those bills. That's crazy in a marriage. You got to get on the same page and like she has the same um, blow money that I have. Fun money, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, we, we give each other the same amount of um, wage, so to speak, because we have a budget and we know where every dollar is going and she knows that she's valued just as much as me even though I have the full-time job and she doesn't. But it doesn't matter. She's just as valuable as I am. And I want her to know that value and she wants me to know that I'm valued. And I just think getting on that same page, discipline of children, you gotta agree on that stuff before you, you get married and before you have kids. You have to be in full agreement how you're going to do that. Um, you know, what are your goals? Set goals and, and have meetings regularly through the marriage. Uh, hey, I want this to be great. I want to be you know, blessed. I want you to be blessed. So we're going to get together and communicate at least quarterly. Here's our short-term goals. Here are our long-term goals. You know, here's how we're doing on what we've been trying to accomplish. If you put all that together, you know, that, that's the, the work of it. And then you get the blessing of it. You know, there's a financial advisor always says, live like nobody else so you can live like nobody else. And that's what you get in commitment, um, work, work in it. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you all so much. Um, give them a round of applause uh, for coming up and, and giving us a little bit of your wisdom tonight on um, relationships and marriage. So thank you guys so much. You look like you, oh, no, you're just grabbing your drink. Okay, awesome. You can just leave your mics there. Well, um, as they're getting everything together. <laughs> yes, you can leave. I don't recommend leaving, leaving, but you can sit down. One of the things that, and I alluded to this earlier, um, one of the things that really makes marriage so important, and it, it's hard to understand in our culture these days because we have so many marriages who don't work. Um, and I know full well that there are many of you in here who the, the marriages that you were a product of didn't work, right? That level of commitment wasn't there. But the reason that marriages are so important because it's the one thing that we have on earth, the one relationship that God says mirrors what his relationship is with you. The one thing about marriage that makes it work is no matter what happens, there's no back door that you can leave out of. And God's saying to each and every single one of you, no matter how bad you screw up, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stick it with you the whole time. You could screw up every single day of your life and it will not matter because I love you nonetheless and I'm going to be there for you and I'm going to make it sure that we can work it through. That's what God has to offer and he proved that on the cross, right? There's this beautiful passage in uh, Genesis where God makes a, a covenant with Abraham. And it, this is a weird covenant where he had a bunch of animals and he cut them in half and he laid them out. Um, and, and it was an old kind of practice of saying that two people would walk through those animals and say, if I break this covenant, may it be to me like it is with these animals, Right? And so God and, and Abraham were supposed to walk through that, but God, God actually put Abraham to sleep. And so the only one that walked through those animals was God. 
And the covenant that was struck, the contract that was struck that day was this. Regardless if you screw up or I screw up and God's not going to screw up, I'm going to be the one to take the punishment. And 3,000 years later, he did. Because you and I mess up every single day, and yet God says, I already paid for that in full. If you want to know how much I love you, I'm not just going to give you flowery words. I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to give you everything my own life. That's what's so significant about the cross, and that's what makes marriage so important. And that's why we've been doing this series, this outdated series, so that as you go from being single and you work on yourself and you enter into a dating relationship and you're looking forward to marriage, that your marriages look something like that. That's why we have these series. That's why we're doing this. So we, we, we give you the tools and a vision of what God's love for you is so that you can live that out as best as you can. And so we don't have music coming afterwards, after this. Um, but what we wanted to do, a lot of you have been here through this whole series, and we wanted to give you guys some of the time to get together with your friends, with your groups, and talk about some of the things that were probably the most important things from tonight, from last week, from the last couple of weeks, and how this series has helped you grow in your relationships, in your singleness, in your dating life, and made you look more like Christ. And so what we're going to do, we're going to break you out, and this doesn't have to be terribly long, but there's room all over. Find a group of three, four, five people. Um, and we're going to have leaders from United as well kind of join your groups. Um, so go ahead and break out because we want you, we, we don't want to leave this space without you guys feeling equipped to enter into relationships in a godly manner, to, to move from dating to marriage in a godly manner, to move from being single to dating in a godly manner. So go ahead, break out. Go. Thank you for listening to the Uloft podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. Also, come out and join us for a Unite every Tuesday at 7.27 p.m. This is a time of music, friends, and important teaching. You don't want to miss it. You can learn more about Unites, as well as everything else we do, by visiting unitediup.com. Thank you all for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode.